0: I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. Uh, Let's give those students a hand. It was a really good video. If you are a guest with us, uh, hey, can you put those lights up a little bit? I like to see people. There you go. Keep on going. Keep on going. There we go. All right. Hey, if you're a guest, welcome. My name is Blake Hildenfeld, one of the pastors here, and we are uh, very grateful and thankful that you're here with us this morning uh, we are in a very exciting and significant time uh, in the life of Providence Road. So this, if you're a guest, it's, it's really um, exciting for you to be here to kind of hear a little bit more uh, on what's going on within the life of Providence Road today. Uh, we have the opportunity uh, to make a move. Now, this move uh, is going to call us to take radical steps of faith to follow Jesus where we feel like he is leading us to go as a church. A move that will most definitely stretch us and challenge us as a body, as the family, as the church. A move that's going to call us to Radical, God glorifying generosity. It's going to call us to, to, look, to take a look at the things in our lives, especially uh, money, but our time and our talents, and really begin to analyze and, and process and see how we're using those things to further the cause of Christ in this city. And so we are called to make a, a missional move in this city to plant the gospel of Jesus Christ deeper and wider and a missional move that will enable us to love this city to a greater degree, a move that is going to lead us to 110 South Crawford in the heart of downtown Norman. This is the time. Now is the time as a church that the Lord is leading us to make this missional move, this move that's going to stretch us. And as we're going to see this morning, we're going to see what this move actually looks like. We're going to see what we have been praying for at the very beginning of Providence Road. As six of us were sitting around a kitchen table, nothing has changed. We're going to see what our hearts long for. We're going to see what's worth giving everything in our lives to. And that is to plant the gospel in this city deeper and wider and love this city for the cause and for the glory and for the fame of Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. That is ultimately what this missional move is about. This morning, we're gonna look at those two things of planting the gospel and loving the the city. What does that look like for us as a church? Next week, we're gonna look at what does it look like for us to equip the church uh, through that building in downtown Norman? But those two things... Planting the gospel deeper and wider and loving the city for the glory and fame of Jesus is what we're going to look at this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's one maybe on your seat, the seat next to you. And listen, if you don't have a Bible or you know someone that needs a Bible, please take one home with you after the gathering. We want you to have it. We want your friends to have uh, the word of God. So please take it home. The verses will, uh, will be on the screen as well. Let's read in verse 1. First Corinthians 15, verse 1. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says this. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I have delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in according with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Let's pray. Father, we come before You this morning. And once again, we are dependent and desperate for you to move among us, for your spirit to give us eyes to see, to see your greatness, to see your glory, to see the sin in our lives, to see how the work of your son is sufficient for all things needed for our salvation and life with you, and hope, and joy. And so, Father, we ask that through your spirit, and through your word, that you work powerfully among us to shine the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ in our hearts, that Jesus will be seen as the glorious Savior and King that he is, and that he will receive the worship and the honor that is rightly due his name. And we know that this will not happen unless your spirit moves among us. So help us to submit to the authority of your word. And with great expectation, we look forward to what you're going to do during this time. To magnify Jesus. That we may find much freedom and joy in him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it is really, really clear from this passage that we just read In 1 Corinthians, that Paul, who is the author of this letter written to this church in Corinth, that Paul had one message and one message only. So essentially, he just had one drum that he beat. He just had one chorus that he sung. There was one thing in his life that captivated his heart, that captivated his mind, that captivated everything else in his life. And that was the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message that Christ Jesus died on the cross to forgive of sin and he rose from the dead to conquer death and to save us that from, from that which we can never save ourselves from and that is the law of sin and death. Nothing else can save us from those two things. It is only the perfect work of Christ on the cross, dying as a substitute and being raised from the dead to conquer death, to give us freedom from those two things, which is the the law of sin and death. And so Paul was relentless and he had never assumed that there was only one way to be forgiven of our sin and for ungodly human beings like you and me to be made right with God and reverse the curse of death. He never assumed, he was relentless and reminding believers, reminding the church, reminding those outside of the church that eternal life with God and in his eternal kingdom is only through the, the sufficient work of Jesus Christ accomplished on behalf for sinners and ungodly, poor, helpless people like you and me. No matter where he went, no matter what he did, he never, ever, ever stopped proclaiming the message of the good news of not what we can do for ourselves to save ourselves, but the magnificent and the marvelous and the scandalous news of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ to secure our salvation. And so what Paul is doing right here is he's reminding the church, never, ever, ever, ever forget this message. Don't assume it. Preach it. Remember it. Cling to it. Cling to the gospel because by it you are saved and by it you are sustained and by it you are secure in Christ, in the gospel so long as you continue to believe and cling to this gospel. No matter what you do, church, don't assume it. Because if you do... You're going to run after another gospel. You're going to believe another gospel, which is no gospel at all. And it's going to be devastating to your soul. The gospel of Jesus Christ has to be of the first importance, Paul tells us. And so listen, from the very beginning of our existence and birth of Providence Road, as six of us were sitting around a kitchen table... It has been our one prayer and the one drum that we beat that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the foundation of everything that we do. It's what consumes our life. It's what consumes our thoughts. It's what captivates the heart of this church and nothing will change. Nothing has changed. It is our deepest longing, guys, that the gospel of Jesus Christ be planted so deep in the hearts of God's people that we would treasure Christ as he rightly deserves and that we would treasure him above everything else in our lives. That is our prayer. And no matter what we do, We will never, ever, ever stop proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And we're never going to assume this gospel. Because if we do, we will run after another gospel and it will devastate our souls. And many of us know this firsthand. Because I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with people, many of you within Providence Road that go something like this. I grew up in church. If the doors were open, I I was there. I went to Sunday school and youth group events. I even won trophies for Bible memorization and choir attendance. If you don't believe me, I've got one at my house that I can show you that I won in choir attendance. I... I, I, uh, I, I did all of this church stuff. I, I was, I was the, the, the leader in the youth group. I was baptized in the, in the third grade, but I did not understand what the gospel truly was because I never heard it. I never heard that not only did Jesus die on the cross to forgive me of my sin, but as a result of being united to Jesus, I have his righteousness, I have his perfection, I have his obedience to the Father as if I've obeyed the Father. All I was taught was, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I was taught, do this, do that, and don't do that other stuff. Don't go to the Metallica concert. If you do, you're going to start using drugs. Kind of dates me, and some of you know what I'm talking about. This is the message that I that, that many of you and myself heard. So day after day, what the result was is that, that I promised God and, and myself that I never start, uh, never do those bad things that I that I was doing that week. I would stop and doing uh, good things. I was never taught the truths of the gospel. My understanding of God was that He would love me if I did these good things and that He would not love me if I did these bad things. And so I got stuck on this crazy cycle of attending youth group events and then walking the aisle to rededicate my life. So every time uh, the song was played, I decided to follow Jesus. I'd walk down the aisle to rededicate my life to follow Jesus once again. But after a while, I got tired of this religious performance treadmill never believing God would actually be pleased with me or that he would love me because I could never get my act together. I was never taught the gospel of actually how to deal with the guilt of never being able to measure up to God's standards. And I tried to clean myself up, but I always was feeling shameful because I always felt dirty because I could never truly clean myself up. And what happened? I lost interest in the church and the Jesus that it taught or assumed. And I began to live however I wanted to live. Jesus was not even relevant. He wasn't even a a part of the story other than just a good example for me to follow, but not a savior, not a king who came to rescue me. But as I started coming to Providence Road for the first time, I heard the gospel. How can this happen? I mean, how can you grow up in church and never hear the amazing gospel of God's grace? Unfortunately, it happens all the time. It happened to me. It's happened to many of you. It's happened to hundreds of people in this city. It happens when we stop preaching the gospel and we just assume the gospel. And when this happens, it's like this unseen disease. And slowly over time, it begins to take over the body and will eventually kill it. And over time, the gospel of Jesus Christ is just assumed. It gets replaced with another gospel, which is absolutely no gospel at all. And in this city, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been replaced with a moralistic gospel which says that you are able to earn favor with God and justify yourselves before a holy and righteous God by your religious and moralistic behavior. And so this false gospel teaches us that the cross of Jesus saves us from a past sin. But once you are saved, then you take matters in your own hands and you've got to clean yourself up in order for God to love you and for you to be accepted by him. And so we exchange the gospel of Christ's sufficiency for all things needed for our salvation for a gospel of self-sufficiency for salvation. And when this happens... We begin to exalt ourselves by trying to maintain our right standing before God by our good behavior and religious accomplishments. And before you know it, we have a false gospel where you don't need Jesus anymore. All you have is yourself. And so the all-sufficient saving work of Jesus accomplished on behalf of you and me is replaced with with a five-step process of self-salvation. And the message that the church begins to promote becomes a message you can find in any public school kindness campaign or, or popular talk show. A message that Christian Smith, a sociologist, defines as moralistic, therapeutic deism. A message that essentially said God just wants us to be good and kind to each other. And in the end, all good people go to heaven. But this is not the gospel. It's not the gospel that saves. You don't need Jesus for any of this. All you need is yourself. But guys, this is not a message in battle that's new. It has been a message in battle the church has been fighting since its birth. Listen to this warning that Paul gives to us in Philippians chapter three. It's going to be on the screen. Verse two says this. He says, "Look out for the dogs." Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. He says, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So he's saying, I put no confidence in my religious accomplishments, though I myself have reason to boast and to look to uh, to my flesh, to my religious accomplishments. He goes on to say, if anyone else has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So he begins to list his religious resume. Listen to this. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, tribe of the Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, under the law, blameless. Verse 7. But whatever gain I had, he says, I count it as loss, for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. His religious resume and accomplishments are rubbish, he says. Why? In order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or my religious accomplishments, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness that comes from God that depends on faith. Think about this for a moment. That all of our religious activity and church attendance, that your trophies for Bible memorization and consecutive days of quiet time, Your goodness, your kindness to other is nothing. It's all in vain. It is a pile of garbage. It is a pile of dung. It is worthless if you don't have Christ. Because the only thing that saves and sanctifies and secures your eternal salvation is Jesus Christ himself. He is your salvation. And it's His work, not your work, that is sufficient to save. And His death on the cross forgives and washes away all of your sin. And His perfect work of obeying the Father given to you as a gift that you receive by faith. As if you've obeyed the Father perfectly, which sustains you and saves you and secures you. If you have Christ, you have everything that you need in order to be made right with a holy and righteous God, period, end of story. You don't need anything else. And you don't have to add anything else to your resume. Because you can't add anything else to your religious accomplishments or resume for God to love you and be accepted uh, by him. It is only through the work of Jesus. And so if you have Christ, you have his perfect resume, which is sufficient. And as one author says this, he says, if you add or you subtract from the cross, even if you factor in biblically mandated uh, practices like prayer and evangelism you actually rob God of his glory and Christ of his sufficiency he goes on to say that Romans 8.1 says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus not because of all the great things that you have done but because Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death period in the story so think about this How can you and how can I find the freedom from the crushing weight of our past sin? Any of you still carry around the crushing weight of regrets of your past sin? How are you actually going to find freedom from your past sin? Only the cross of Christ, which forgives you of all of your sin. That he who knew no sin became sin for you. He bore your sin in his body on the tree and he paid your debt in full and nailed it to the cross. What sustains you and what sustains me in our current fight and struggles with sin that doesn't lead us to this place of despair? Only the righteousness of Christ, which covers you, which is placed into your account. And when the father sees you, he sees you as if you've obeyed the law perfectly and the father perfectly because you have the righteousness of God in Christ. What's your hope for your future failures? What's my hope for my future failures? It's only the blood of Christ. It's only the amazing, infinite, secure grace of God found in Jesus Christ on the cross, which covers all of our sin. And listen, where do we find the power to actually be who we long to be? And that is to be made into the image of Jesus. Where do we get that power to actually be who we're supposed to be? Only the Holy Spirit the spirit of Christ living and dwelling within us that we have received by hearing and receiving the gospel. Do you see why we can't assume the gospel? Even as believers, guys, we can't assume the gospel because the gospel is everything to us. The gospel tells us of who we are now in Christ. The gospel tells us of the hope that we have in Jesus and all the the future grace and the future promises that God offers to us is found in the gospel. We can never assume it and there is no other gospel. There was only one gospel that saves. And we have to continue to preach it and proclaim it and cling to it and remind ourselves of it. As Paul says in Romans 1:17, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Believers and unbelievers. And so because of this, this city, this city desperately needs to hear the only gospel that is power enough, powerful enough to save. And so what this means is, is, because of this, that 110 South Crawford will continue to be a place where people in this city will hear the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing will change. And our, it's our prayer that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people will flock into 110 South Crawford to hear the saving message of Jesus Christ, because here is the reality of this city. Let this truth sink in. Let it sink into the depths of our hearts and our souls and break us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.3, He says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. Verse 4. In their case, the God of this world, who is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. Do you see what he's saying? That as we sit here this morning, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people in this city who are blinded and they are perishing. Do we care about this? Do our lives reflect that we care about this? that we care that thousands of people in this sea do not see the salvation that is offered freely by the all-sufficient work of the infinite, valuable Son of God, Jesus Christ. They don't see. They are blinded. And chances are there are some of you here this morning who are blinded and you do not see that Jesus is who He says He is, that He is the image of the invisible God, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life, and no one can come to the Father except through Him. You do not see that Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. They don't see that Jesus is the mercy and the love of God, that Jesus loves the unlovable, that He desires the undesirable, that He forgives the unforgivable, that He saves the the unsavable. They don't see how Jesus, God Himself, came from the glory of heaven and He came on a rescue mission, not to condemn and judge the world, but to save it through His work. That through his life and death, that Jesus Christ is no ordinary human being. That Jesus is the perfect human being and he came to reveal the, the Father's glory and he came to live a perfect life that none of us have lived and he died a death on the cross to purchase salvation for all who submit to his kingship and lordship and trust in him. Oh, may the city... May this city see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. They need it. Many of you need it. We all need to see it. And so imagine with me, guys, hundreds and hundreds of people in this city flocking to 110 South Crawford to hear this message, to hear this news, to hear the only message that saves, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hope that you would invite your neighbors and your friends and your co-workers into your homes and into 110 South Crawford to hear the most amazing news of the glorious God, the glorious Savior who came to rescue us and save us even though we don't deserve it. That Jesus would be seen as the greatest treasure that he is. This is our prayer. This is the one drum that we beat. This is the one song that we sing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now listen, there is a brochure on your seat that gives you a little bit more information on the missional move. And in that packet, in that brochure, you're going to find a card that asks you to write down three names of people that you can be praying for. That you can be praying on their behalf that the Holy Spirit will will shine the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ in their hearts. And so we encourage you to think about three people. And listen, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, and you've been invited by a friend, you may be thinking that they just write my name down. It's a little awkward. But listen, I just want to be honest with you. I hope they did. Because if what you have heard and what God's word has said this morning is true, if Jesus is who he says he is, if Jesus is my only hope of salvation and your only hope of salvation, then it would be the most loving thing for your friend to do than to write your name down to pray for you. And the opposite is true too. That it would be the most unloving thing for your friend to do to not invite you here to hear this gospel message because this message is the most important and the most relevant message that you can ever hear in your entire life. Because it's the all-sufficient work of this person named Jesus Christ is your only hope for freedom. Freedom from the guilt of your sin. Freedom from the consequences of sin, which is death, which is eternal separation from God. Jesus Christ's work and your faith and trust in Him is your only hope to be freed from these things and have everlasting life with a great and magnificent and glorious God. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life and no one come to the Father except through him. And he actually is the one that your heart has been longing for all of your life. Because you have been longing for a relationship with someone in this world, anyone, just give me anyone that has a relationship with someone that has an unconditional love and welcome and acceptance and true intimacy and true security and true hope. And true, uh, a person that you can truly trust. Someone who will never let you down. Someone who is always there for you. And that person is God himself, Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him this morning... He offers himself to you, he offers life to you, he offers light to you, he offers true salvation to you, he offers the gift of being able to enjoy him now and forever all through his sufficient work accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if that's you, on God's behalf, I stand before you and I plead on God's behalf that you would turn to Christ. That you would turn from relying on anything else in your life to save you, to turn from your goodness and kindness and morality. It's not enough. It's not sufficient. You need perfect kindness. You need perfect obedience. You need perfect righteousness because God is a perfect and holy and righteous God. And He offers you the gift of His own righteousness through Jesus to be made right with Him. It's yours. Receive it by faith. And come to him. This is our prayer for you. This is our prayer for the city. This is your only hope. This is my only hope. This is the only hope for this city is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our desire and prayer in this missional move is to plant this gospel deeper and wider. Amen? Amen. And it's also our prayer to love this city. To love this city well. To be a light in this city as we love this city with our lives. Jesus says this, Matthew 5, verse 14. He says, You are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, so here's the deal. Jesus calls us as his church, as followers of Jesus, to be a light in this city. So imagine or picture a lighthouse, which sole purpose is to shine a light in the darkness to guide one to safety. That's the purpose of a lighthouse, to shine the light in darkness to guide one to safety. And so the church of Jesus Christ, we guys, Providence Road, is to be a lighthouse in this city to guide those who are in darkness into the safety of God's love and grace that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the way that we do this is not only declaring the gospel with our lips, but we love and serve the city with our lives as he has loved and served us. And by doing so, what happens? The city then... We'll see the goodness and kindness of our heavenly Father, and as a result of that, He will be glorified. As a result of how we love and serve this city, and how they they will worship Him as He brings them into the safety of the harbor of His amazing grace and love that's found in the gospel. But it's through us; it's through our lives. It's by the way in which we love this city. It's by the way in which we serve this city that they will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So the question is, do we desire for this city to see the greatness of our God? Do we desire for this city to see God for who He truly is and all of His goodness and all of His kindness and all of His mercy and love and grace and justness and righteousness? Do we long for the city to see this? Is this our greatest desire? Listen, in this brochure that's on your seat, it it, it describes this new location that we're going to be in. And this new location puts us in the most dense and diverse part of the city for the purpose of shining the light of Jesus, of being this lighthouse So, think about that area, guys. Think about that part of the city. We're going to be surrounded by neighbors that we can serve and display the goodness and kindness of our Heavenly Father. So, think about our neighbors. Think about who they're going to be. Our neighbors are going to include nonprofits that are looking to serve this city and the needs of this city, popular restaurants. Much of the homeless and transitional uh, community within this city, the art community, many citywide events through, uh, through the Art Walk and through um, Norman Music Fest and the Fall Festival and in close proximity to the, uh, to the university. So this move is going to strategically place us in the area of the city with some of the greatest needs and the greatest brokenness, but the greatest opportunity to shine the light of the glory of the gospel for the glory of our father. So imagine what this is going to look like. Picture this with me. Imagine a people, us, who reached out to the abandoned children in this county. That our, that our, that our, our lives, that, that, that there would be no child left in the darkness and the fear and the loneliness of a DHS shelter. Do you realize at the end of last year, 9,500 kids were in the state custody. 444 of them were in Cleveland County alone. So what if our lives and our homes would become this shelter? where scared and lonely hearts of these kids would find safety and the love and presence of Christ through our homes and through our lives. That once in South Crawford would be this shelter for foster kids in this city to come and experience the safety of Christ's love and presence through our foster kids Christmas party, which we're going to throw again at the end of this year, and other events to serve the needs of foster kids in this city. That's what that building's going to be used for, to care for those kids. And to serve organizations in this city through, through, uh, through um, trainings and through other events to serve them, that they can use that building uh, to continue the work of caring for the safety and the welfare of vulnerable children in this city. That's what that building is going to be used for. I mean, imagine a people and our kids who reached out to the homeless and transitional community in this city that through us, the building in downtown Norman that's going to be surrounded by, by, uh, by many within the homeless and transitional community, that it would be a place that they could find prayer and a cold drink of water in the name of Jesus and a bag of toiletries and they'd be welcomed into God's family. I mean, it's my prayer that there'd be many people who are homeless in the transitional community right now that they'd be serving on our greeting team that when you come into the life of Providence Road, you'll be met with someone who needs a place to stay, who is struggling to make ends meet, that they be welcomed and loved into the body. I mean, I, I, imagine that, the building in downtown Norman would be a place where we are surrounded and we can, we can, we can serve uh, the city through all these citywide events like the Norman Music Fest and through the Art Walk that, that man, like after the years of like 10 and 20 years down the road, uh, that as people, uh, thousands of people are coming into that building, that, we're, that we are getting to know them and that we're spending time with them and that we love them. And then we're pointing to the one who came to save I mean, imagine us like after this gathering, going and serving the establishments in downtown Norman. That we go in and we and, and we and we care for the wait staff and we listen to their stories and we ask how we can pray for them and we leave behind much generosity. I've had a conversation with one person within this church who was a, a manager at an establishment in downtown Norman. And he says a lot of their servers uh, don't like to serve on Sunday. Uh, because they get the church crowd. And you know who the church crowd, uh, what they're seen as? They're seen as rude. They're seen as demanding. And they're seen as leaving behind very, very little generosity. How can this be? Is this our Father? Does this display the goodness and kindness of our Heavenly Father? Does it display his generosity? I mean, after all that we've received in the gospel, how can we not be the most generous people in the city? And especially if we feel like they don't deserve it. If they don't deserve a tip, if they're rude to us, what better way to demonstrate the gospel? We didn't deserve God's loving kindness towards us, did we? And he poured it out upon us. So let us change this. This is just something little, but this is a way that we can serve this city and serve so many people within the service industry in downtown Norman. Let us be like many of you done at Ray's Barbecue. Every time I go into Ray's Barbecue, you know what they say to me? They say, hey, I know know you're one of the pastors at Providence Road. I love your people. They are generous. They are kind. And that's not for your glory. That's for the glory of your Heavenly Father. And you're demonstrating and displaying how great and glorious he is by being kind and by being generous and caring for that waitstaff. It's a small thing, but that's what he's calling us to. We can change the city in that way. Something so simple. Guys, imagine a place where broken marriages and families could come and find pastoral care and other events and conferences to serve broken families and marriages and to find a people connected to a missional community, to find love and support, to help people walk through times of struggling within marriage and families. That building would be a place that we can serve broken marriages and families in this city. And imagine a place where all races and nationalities in this city can find refuge and welcome and acceptance. A place where international students and students, organizations of all colors, can come on a Sunday evening, evening, and we can feed them a huge feast, <laughs> displaying and showing to them that they are welcomed, that they are loved as one who is beautifully made in the image of God. Imagine once in South Crawford as this place where all races and nationalities can come and worship the King and Savior Jesus Christ, as we are all united together as one in Him. This is our prayer. That we would be a people who love this serve and city, not for our glory, not for the glory of Providence Road, but the glory for our our fathers. The question is, will we be this people? Because listen, the building itself isn't going to love this city. We do. The building is just a building without us. It's just a building with some chairs and some sound equipment and some kids' toys and little kid toilets. It's all it is. It's up to us. And what, are, what, what good are our chairs and sound equipment and all these things? I mean, what, what purpose do they serve if they just serve our needs and not the needs of this community? And so it's up to us to inhabit a place, a place in the city where we can, can demonstrate and the city can see how amazing our God is, a God who loves the, the broken and the outcast through us. A God who loves to restore broken relationships and marriages and families through the gospel through us, demonstrating who He is. A God who loves all those has made in His image through us. A God who desires to redeem and restore this city through us. Will we be this people? That's what He's calling us to. This is our prayer. To love the city in Jesus' name and to plant the gospel deeper and wider in this city. So where do we start? Where do we begin this morning? The first is we give. We give towards this missional move. But ultimately, we give to plant the gospel and love this city through us, through 110 South Crawford. Guys, we are a family and we are in this thing together. And I know this is going to be challenging. It's going to be stretching. Shanae and I, my family, we've already been discussing and talking about this, and it's going to be very challenging for us. It's going to be very stretching for us. But when we begin to pray about it, when we begin to see in light of, of what God is calling us to do in this missional move to plant the gospel deeper and wider in this city and to love the city for the sake of Christ and for His name, what better thing to give our money to? What better thing to give our money to? Is there anything more important than giving to planting the gospel and love in this city for the glory and the fame of our Heavenly Father? There's not. And so this is what we ask you to do. We ask you to take that brochure home and we ask that you uh, begin to to pray about it. If you have not uh, started praying about it and asking the father, father, what do you want me to do? How how do you want me to serve this family by giving towards this missional move? And it's going to be a two year pledge. We're asking you to pledge two years starting on January 1st of 2018, which ends in December 31st of 2019. Take it home. If you have a family, talk about it with your family. Include your kids on it and bring it back next week and turn it in on Pledge Sunday. Give generously to plant the gospel and love the city. And the second is this, we pray. Guys, this is the greatest thing that we can do. And I know as Christians, we kind of throw that out, right? Like, oh, we know that we should pray. That's what we should do. But it truly is the greatest thing that we can do because all of our efforts, guys, of planting the gospel and love in the city and giving towards this missional move is all dependent upon the heavenly father moving and working through us. The fruit of our efforts are not to up, to, up to us. God produces the fruit. The, the king is responsible for all the fruit. We are just simply his messengers. We are simply the heralds of the king. And so we go and we plant the gospel and we love the city and the fruit of that effort and that work is up to the king. And so we come before him and we pray. And if you guys have not uh, been a part of our uh, Wednesday night uh, prayer and fasting, guys, you are missing out. It has been such a sweet and powerful time as the body to come together and worship our father and ask him to move in mighty ways through us in this city. And we have one coming up this Wednesday, which I encourage you to be a part of. Pray. So that's what we're going to do right now. You you want to pray? You want to pray? Yes? We're going to ask the Father right now that he would use 110 South Crawford, not for the glory of Providence Road, but that he would use it for his glory. That 110 South Crawford would truly be a lighthouse in this city to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ deeper and wider in this city and that over the next twenty to 10 to 20 years, picture this, we're asking for this, that 110 South Crawford would be full, would overflow Were spiritual blindfolds taken off as a result of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in this city seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. God have mercy upon us. That God's grace be upon us as we make this missional move. Amen? Let's pray. So what I want us to do, I just want us to take a a few moments and I I want us to to come before the Father and I, I, I just want us to ask Him that we ask Him to continue to use this church and the church in this city to shine the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ in this city. That he would move through us in a, in a mighty way as we make this missional move. That 110 South Crawford would be truly this lighthouse to serve and love the city for the sake of Jesus and his name. So this is what I want us to do. If you feel led to pray, I want you to pray out loud right where, you are, right where you're at. And I want you to pray it Loudly. And make it somewhat brief. But pray loudly. Pray with boldness. Don't be afraid. We are all for each other. And listen, if you're, if you're here and you're not a believer you're, 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 uh, in Jesus, you're not a Christian, let this serve as a, as a picture of the desperation that we have to our great and glorious God that we are dependent upon to move in this city. And so think about the things that you've heard this morning as, as we pray and reflect on the God that you've heard about this morning. But as God's people, let's come before him and let's pray. You with me? Let's pray. Whoever feels led to pray, pray. I love taking a communion every week w- with you guys. It's a, it's a joy and it's an honor uh, as the body takes this every single time we gather together. And it's such a um, beautiful reminder, and that's why our Lord said to do it when we gather together, but it's such a, a beautiful reminder of our Father's loving kindness and his goodness and his grace and his mercy that he has shown us through the magnificent and all sufficient work of his son Jesus Christ. That upon the cross that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed and his body is this this reminder to us of of his life that that he lived the perfect life that none of us have ever lived And, and, and and the blood just represents the shedding of his blood for us That he bore his people's sin in his body, and he was found guilty for their sin, for our sin. And he took our place. And so it's such a an amazing time for us to to reflect on that and to give praise to the all-sufficient work of our Savior, Jesus. He is our salvation, he is all that we need. And that's what makes Him so glorious. That's what makes Him so amazing. And that's what makes our hearts leap with joy and love for the the greatness of our Savior and King because He is so great and glorious in the way in which He's provided everything that we need for salvation. He's amazing. He's an amazing King. He's an amazing Savior. And we have so much to be thankful for this morning. And we have so much to give praise to Him this morning because of the work that He's done for us and the person that He is. And so if you are trusting in Christ this morning, if He is your only hope of salvation, if you're looking Him to Him to, to be your righteousness and to be your sanctification and be your security of salvation and be your hope, that I want you to spend some time and I just want you to praise Him and I want you to thank Him for the greatness of who He is and the greatness of what He's done for you, that you are secure in Him, that you stand in Him, that your salvation is secure because He's accomplished it for you and nothing can take it from you. So long as you cling to Him, He's faithful to you. So celebrate Him, worship Him, thank Him. Now listen, if you're here this morning and you're looking to something else other than Jesus, maybe Jesus is just this good example for you. Maybe he was a good teacher, this person that lived uh, a few thousand years ago. Listen, Jesus Christ is the Savior and King. He conquered death and he is raised from the dead and he reigns over all things. He is the sovereign King that reigns over all governments, that reigns over all of our lives, that reigns over your life. And he invites you this morning to submit to his lordship and his reign over your life. He's a good king and he promises you life and everlasting life and salvation with him so long as you submit to his lordship and leadership and the work that he accomplished for you. Submit to him. Humble yourself and come to him. Cast yourself upon him. For all those who cast themselves upon him and trust in him, he will be your salvation. He will be your king and follow him. That's the invitation to you. So receive that. Trust in him. Come to him. And if that's you, then come up and, 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 and take the Lord's Supper. But that's not you. And you continue to think about it and think about who Jesus is. But I ask that you will stay where you're seated and reflect on the greatness of this person named Jesus. But for all who are in Him, or all who are trusting in Him, then come when you're ready and celebrate the Lord's Supper.